0: Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio.
1: I do absolutely love the people that I get to work with.
0: I really don't want to strike this argument up again. You know, there's a high percentage of wallets up there because of the structure.
2: I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting from the Alclair Outdoor Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with (laughs) OnX. We're not just a radio show anymore. This is Sporting Journal Radio. That's right. Welcome to the show. My name is Brett Amundsen. Thank you for tuning in on the Radio Network by Demand, or maybe you're watching this on YouTube. Thank you very much. That's Dan Amundsen over there. Dan, what's happening? Hey. How you doing? Doing another radio show. Last time I checked. Yeah. That's, that that's, is what's happening. That is what's happening. Uh, normally, David Eckhart will be with us, but uh, he is on a hunting trip right now. We're all very, very jealous of him. So, uh, good luck, David. I hope you don't shoot anything. Watch.
0: Well, last I checked, he's, uh, <laughs> he's kept some ammunition company in business just today.
2: Yeah. He I is. think he's shot more shells today than I've shot all season, and that's not a lie. <laughs> he's having a good trip. That is uh, for sure. So, thank you for tuning in. We got a great show this week. Uh, A lot of guests. In fact, we're going to, we're going to, uh, Playback an interview I recorded when I was out at Horicon Marsh with Mark Kakich out there. He's with the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation and man, he spent a lot of time at Horicon and that's just a historic waterfowl and wildlife area out there in Southeast Wisconsin. He's gonna tell us a little bit more about the history coming up later in the show. Joe Henry's got a Lake of the Woods fishing report for us and a little preview of ice fishing. And uh, Jennifer Pudence is gonna join us. She has a magazine called Adventurous. We'll find out what that is all about and how long it's taken her to get to this point. Uh, with her magazine coming up in just a little bit. But first, Dan, who are the sponsors this week?
0: Live Target, match the hatch at LiveTargetLures.com. Lake of the Woods Tourism, Lake of the Woods is the wall of capital. Planet. trip to ice fish this winter at Lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Haybell Heights Campground and Resort. Book a trip to Devil's Lake to fish out of a snow bear this winter. Learn more at haybellheights.com. Ottertail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And Prairie Sportsman. We're making new episodes right now. New season starts in January, but you can watch episodes anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel.
2: That clip right there, that collared fawn, that episode just came out on the Prairie Sportsman Facebook page. Uh, Go check it out because it was one of the uh, coolest research uh, segments that I've been a part of. And they were tracking fawns using thermal drones. And then once they'd find them, they'd go put collars on them and they'd learn about deer dispersals. They'd learn about deer mortality, you know, what's killing the deer out there. And then uh, also what habitat preference they had so they could, you know, plan their public lands around what habitat deer are using, what they're feeding on, what's killing them and what they can do to prevent mortality. And just how far, in fact, you know, traditionally you think deer are only traveling a couple of miles. I <laughs> Uh, they found in that study. I think they found one deer had traveled what eighty some miles, long ways, something like. Either that. way, more than I've ever walked. So uh, you can watch it now on the Prairie Sportsman Facebook uh, page or on the YouTube channel there as well. And while you're on YouTube, make sure you like this channel, Sporting Journal Radio. Give it a subscribe and a like. And then also one other one for you, of course, Fish Hunt Forever. We've got a a, a brand new video, at least one, uh, from our layout boat duck hunt up at Lake of the Woods at the Northwest Angle, one of the wildest. Duck hunts I've been a part of like super cold, really foggy. We're in layout boats. It's kind of windy. Ducks are everywhere. It was wild. You're gonna love it. Check it out on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. Uh Dan, I had a bit of a you know, I, I didn't gun hunt this year. I know you did. You didn't shoot a deer. Thanks. Thanks for just sharing that with the world. I didn't appreciate have, it. Well, you put out a video of you cooking your tag. That's right. Really. <laughs> and it's got so many views. Fried up your, your gun tag in the frying pan.
0: Well, not really. But that's a fire hazard. I just, I mean, the pan was on, but you don't cook them very long.
2: You got to leave them rare. <laughs> Tags are best served rare. Uh, I didn't gun hunt, but I had a pretty disappointing deer hunting day the other day. I went and checked one of my trail cameras and I've got, I've got like eight or nine spy points out and they're all cell cams except for one. And it's a solar camera. So I was like, all right, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to put it fairly close so I can get to it and check the card. But it's going to be in a spot where I don't have to check it often because it's it's solar powered. So I put it in and there was still standing corn there the day that I put it in. But it was a real nice trail. And I went to check it. The corn was down and there was a little tree right in front of the camera just rubbed completely, almost disintegrated from a buck rubbing on it. I'm like, oh, gosh, this is going to be great. No, I filled up the entire card with swaying corn the first day I put the camera out. So how how'd that that's a lot of productivity there
0: God in the dang. ways of the trail camera. So I, maybe you should replace that one with a cell cam.
2: That's just it. I mean, when you want to talk about the benefits of having a cell camera, if nothing else, it allows you to make sure that the camera is operating the way you want it to. 100%. Because you can check it whenever. So uh, I recommend uh, cell cams. And I got into a discussion with somebody the other day about them and they're like, ah, oh, you know, using all these cameras, I don't know how fair that is. And like, I get that sentiment from people that don't use them, but I will, I responded with, well... You know, it allows me to know what deer are around. Not just their movements and their patterns, but it allows me to know what deer are here and what deer I would want to shoot. It might keep me from shooting a buck that could use another deer. It might A buck that could use another deer? A buck that could use another year. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) They could all use another deer. Talking's hard. Ah man. Especially for me. I should have a radio show. The it, it it's also kept me from shooting a deer the entire year. I've gone entire years without shooting a deer because I've been waiting for my target buck to come by and it never does. And then I don't shoot doe and, and, uh, I end up frying up a tag in the frying pan. So, and then when I said that, oh, well, that makes actually a lot of sense. So I, in, in some ways you're actually protecting deer and creating better genetics and maybe keeping the herd even larger by using cameras out there. So anyway, um, trail cameras, I like them. Uh, I want to thank Pheasants Forever real quick they uh they the new issue came out this week the journal of upland conservation and i had one of my pictures on the cover so uh, i was pretty proud of that fact some hen pheasants flying through the snow i thought it was uh, a pretty cool shot so thank you pheasants forever for using my picture on the cover of the winter 2024 issue of the journal of upland conservation there it is right there You can see that. Oh, yeah, I guess I put it on my Facebook page. Or check your mailboxes. You'll be getting the magazine if you're a member of Pheasants Forever. Uh, Quick note, I got a message from Rick Hansen uh, about the feral hog issue that's going on in Minnesota. Apparently, there there was a farm in Marshall County that had some pigs escape. And uh, then, of course, pigs are like rabbits, so they're always having little piglets out there. And this is one of the reasons why we don't want feral hogs in Minnesota, because there's no way of actually controlling them. Yeah, they can be fun to hunt, they can be good to eat, but there's no way of stopping them once they get out. And they just destroy the ground and the habitat out there. They are not good for the outdoors are not good for our landscape. We do not need them here. The DNR has got a questionnaire out there wondering about your thoughts on feral pigs. I just told you mine. Hopefully they're the same. You can go to the DNR's website. In fact, uh, Sporting Journal Radio Insiders Group, we've got a Facebook group. We posted this link in there. We probably have it on our website, actually.
0: Yeah, if you go to that. We talked about this post last week, MNDNR to host meeting on future risks of feral pigs and released mink. In that article, there is a link. It is mndnr.gov backslash wildlife backslash escaped dash animals dot html. Uh, much easier just to go to SportingJournalRadio.com, click on that link and click on that link than trying to remember that and type it in.
2: Sounds like deer numbers overall for the gun season in
0: Minnesota anyway, we're down a little bit. uh, The headlines I've seen say 5%. um, 107,572 deer have been taken by firearm this year. 112,968 deer total. Um, there's a like a live ticker counter thing on the Minnesota DNR website as well. Um, 395 by muzzleloader, 10,028 by vertical bow, 7,584 by crossbow. Um, but yeah, it sounds like those numbers are down from last year, and I think numbers were down last year as well. So,
2: on the downward trend for whitetail deer in Minnesota. Okay, so we're looking at 17,600. Or so archery kills then, right? That is correct. So I'd be curious to know what the archery kill number was through this point last year. Maybe we'll look that up for next week unless you want to do some Kill some time. But uh, tap dance uh, just to see how much so crossbow kill this year in the archery season, almost as much as the vertical bow uh, harvest numbers. So I'd be curious to know if those numbers are up or comparable to last year's archery season. Keep keep talking. I might be able to tell you. All right. So Dan is looking for that information right now. And when he after he finds it, we're going to talk about a new lawsuit coming against the Fish and Wildlife Service regarding wolf hunting and the ban on wolves and putting them on the endangered species list um it's the uh it's a, what is it was a sportsman's alliance is going to sue the fish and wildlife service uh, they actually petitioned fish and wildlife service twice earlier this year so uh i'll i'll read this whole thing for you in just a second um if Dan what? has those <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dan has those numbers. Well, it, the, let me just—I don't like complaining to the DNR, but if you're going to put out a a a, a report with a, with a table of contents lay uh put page numbers on your pages so i can actually That's find
2: what page to go to please is it roman numerals or just no just no page numbers oh here we go i think I, okay keep talking <laughs> all right so the sportsman's alliance foundation filed a notice of its intent to sue the u.s fish and wildlife service on november 10th for the agency's failure to respond to the sportsman's alliance foundation's two wolf petitions that they filed in june they had 90 days to respond uh, they didn't. So there's a 90-day response required by the Endangered Species Act, and they didn't. So now that opens the door for a lawsuit. And when they file the petitions, the Western Great Lakes wolves population, uh, the coalition points out that the wolf populations have far surpassed Fish and Wildlife Service recovery goals in the West West Great Lakes region, with the total population now exceeding 4,000 wolves. Now, that includes the estimates of 2,700 wolves in Minnesota, which... It sounds like there might be over 3,000 by some numbers. I thought I saw an actual count of over 3,000. I know some people think there's probably 4,000 in Minnesota. Uh, 1,000 in Wisconsin and more than 600 in Michigan. Now, Fish and Wildlife Service original recovery goals for wolves were 1,400 in Minnesota and a minimum combined of 100 for Michigan and Wisconsin together. So that's fifteen hundred wolves was the recovery goal and we're over four thousand for those three states. So there there should be no reason that the wolves would be on the endangered species list. Follow the science. Follow science, right. Did you find any yeah, I found the report. So um this is
0: granted, this is for the entire twenty twenty two deer season. Okay. So we have to you know kind of look at this differently because obviously the Minnesota yeah, we're not, archery season we're not the isn't, end isn't done. Right. Uh, last year, a total of 23,372 deer were registered as an archery harvest, not including special hunts. So like the Camp Ripley, State Park hunts, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we're at 17,000 archery kills harvests right now. For Minnesota, and there's still a month and a half left of season. Now I do know that a lot of hunters, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I assume there will be a drop off in the amount of people in the woods come December. But if uh, five thousand more, we're only five thousand deer away from hitting that same number. So we'll see if it's similar or down. It will be interesting, though. I will say if when the firearm harvest is down, if archery harvest goes up this year.
2: Yeah, and with seventeen thousand deer killed by Uh, archery, 7,000 or so of those by crossbows. I mean, so that percentage from the early percentage of 40%, that percentage is... Well, numbers math anyway that's uh <laughs> so it's a lot of it's a lot of kills by uh, a crossbow so i'll be curious to see what ends up happening and yep. did we talk about this last week dan what what we learned about using a gun tag what you can use for a gun tag in minnesota
0: no i don't think so and i really don't want to strike this argument up again i've kind of gotten tired of it just because we yeah, haven't this seen is it. interesting it though. is interesting because i started digging into regulations um kind of comparing Wisconsin, Minnesota, cause I was getting ready for the Wisconsin season and I had an unfilled gun tag. I came back down into shotgun zone. I'm not a huge fan of deer hunting with a shotgun. right? And so I was like, well, I got a bow. I like bow hunting. So what if I try to fill this gun tag with my bow? And which I I always thought you could do.
2: Yeah, like, I don't know.
0: I'm surprised that you can't. Well, and again, I didn't really find a lettering that says hard you can't do this but everything i read into says you cannot fill your gun tag with a vertical bow however i can fill it with a crossbow huh so if we're going to count crossbows as archery it's just it's a weird again and maybe it's just something that's never been thought of because you could always use a crossbow to fill your gun tag right and but so it's it's like okay well if i can use it to fill my gun tag but i can also use it to fill my bow tag Hmm. like I'm not going to argue about the, the efficiency or, you know, the heart, the efficacy, efficacy or making it easier, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get into that. I just found that to be pretty interesting that I can, that that's the way it is that you're, you're basically lumping crossbows in with guns. Mm-hmm. So.
2: And bows apparently.
0: Well, yeah. And so it's, which is it? Is it a,
2: it's, no. it's a heshi of, of the hunting world right now. So. That was pretty interesting. We'll wait for more numbers to come out at the end of this yeah. archery season. And, and the other thing I want
0: to look at, which we don't have, will be archery license sales. Were there right. more archery license sales, or is it the same? Did we see mm. the number of archery hunters? Like, oh, did we just see bow hunters say, oh, "I'm just going to use a crossbow instead," or did we see more archery hunters? I'll be curious to know that. We don't have those numbers yet.
2: Well, we'll we'll dig into that more and have it on a future. Have more about that on a future show, and uh, we'll keep an eye on this lawsuit excuse me, this lawsuit as well, too, uh, with the Sportsman's Alliance Foundation. Um, Since they filed this suit, the Michigan Bear Hunters Association, the Upper Peninsula Bear Houndsman Association, and Wisconsin Bear Hunters Association have joined the Sportsman's Alliance Foundation in filing the initial petitions and now in the, Notice of intent to sue. So I, I don't know. I think maybe MDHA and some of the other groups maybe should get on board with that too. I know the Minnesota DNR likes to stay out of that kind of thing, but I know there are people within our state game management agency that would love to see management of wolves back in the hands of the biologists and keep, you know, we just got to keep the lawmakers and the people that protest out of some of these decisions one way or another. I don't, I mean, in America, it's, kind of the way things get done. So maybe we just need to go protest more loudly.
0: Well, sure. I'll vote. There I'll you go. keep
2: voting. You know, you and I'll, I'll add this note. Reach
0: out to your senators. Reach out to your representatives. Right. All that fun jazz. I know it's hard. I did once and my representative promptly wrote me back, which, hey, thanks for writing me back. I do appreciate that, but said, uh, I disagree with you. I'm going to be going forward with the way hmm. that she felt. So, hmm. gee, thanks for uh, thanks for representing how I feel Well, because you don't.
2: That's okay. I'll know who to vote for. When I posted about this in the Sporting Journal Radio Facebook group, Sporting Journal Radio Insiders, my caption was, if they're going to use the courts, we're going to use the courts. And to get the wolves back on the endangered species list in 2015, the Humane Society of the United States went from judge to judge to judge in the federal court system, trying to find one that would listen to their case. And they said, hey, wolves have not recovered in all their traditional areas didn't matter what the numbers were, but they wanted to see wolves in the Twin Cities or wherever because historically maybe they were there one day. That's never going to happen. Do you imagine? <laughs> like
0: just, just going to a Vikings game or something or a wild game and hey, look at that wolf running down the street, which, by the way, coyotes are already doing. Coyotes are I don't running. know if I've ever told that story on the air. I was at a buddy's house in Town, right by the old McDonald's that used to be there. And it was late at night, and I just happened to look out the apartment window and and went down the street I'm like huh it kind <laughs> of rubbed you your eyes a little it? well that was that was it I'm like did I just see that you kind of rub your eyes again you look yeah that was a coyote running. <laughs> downtown Minneapolis. So well, there,
2: there's a great picture going around the internet of a while back of a coyote in Chicago, like going, it was so hot. Quiznos had their door open and remember Quiznos when you'd walk in and they had like the drink cooler, it was like knee level. And you just, I reach have down never been to a, there'd be a, a, a thing, a cooler of ice and you pull your drink out of the cooler like a bottle of water or whatever. A coyote went supposedly went into Quiznos, went into that drink cooler and laid down to cool off. And there's a picture of it, I think, on the internet. And I believe everything I see on the internet. You should. It's just, uh, you know, wildlife, being wildlife. Coyotes are 35 pounds. I think I could handle a coyote. But you start getting 110, 120-pound timber wolf walking through on East Lake Street or something. (laughs) Well, maybe the wolf's just trying to go protest. (laughs) That's right. Now we're
0: getting into dangerous territory. All right. I'm really just trying to kill time because we fill another minute and a half, we've filled two segments.
2: Yeah, I kind of figured we will do that. So – We've got uh, Joe Henry coming up with a fishing report in a little bit. Also, uh, uh, Jennifer Pudence from Adventurous Magazine is going to tell us about her magazine here in a little bit. And then now probably next week, we'll play our interview with Mark Kakage. I think we've covered that. To, yeah, we've covered enough time to to, All right. to manage our our
0: content well. So we'll,
2: we'll save that one. Breaking it's, down the fourth wall today. Horicon is such a neat place over in Wisconsin. I was fortunate to go over there twice this year, went over and did some duck hunting, did some pheasant hunting. And I'll tell you one quick thing about the pheasant hunting over there. I wasn't real excited about shooting released birds. So they don't have a wild pheasant population at Horicon. So they pen raise birds and they release them. Uh, part of the, they have a Wisconsin state game farm that they do this with. And I was like, all right. And then I heard a little bit more about it. When you get your small game license, you have the chance to buy a $10 pheasant stamp in Wisconsin. That $10 goes towards a pheasant program. $3 of it or 30% of the stamp proceeds go towards the captive pen raised release bird program, which at Horicon, they release uh, a a lot of birds. And then 70% of it goes to creating wildlife habitat to raise a wild population of pheasants. So right there, that tells me I'm okay with buying the stamp and shooting some of these pen raised birds because ultimately they're trying to grow grow a wild population and developing some more habitat for wild pheasants. So I think that's really neat. Got a video from that trip coming soon. Uh, Keep an eye out for it. All right, this is Sporting Journal Radio. Jennifer Pudens will be with us next. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. F-Tech's winner the Ultimate Frog looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed ultra-point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the Ultimate Frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And iCast and F-Tech's winner the Live Shrimp mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers. Coming soon! From Live Target. All right, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thank you for tuning in on the network. By Demand, SportingJournalRadio.com, or maybe you're watching this on YouTube. Thank you very much. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, like it, share it, if you uh, enjoy what you're hearing and seeing right now. And uh, right now, we're going to bring on our next guest. It's Jennifer Pudens who joins us. She has a magazine called Adventurous. Jennifer, how are you doing?
1: Hi, good. Thanks so much for having me on here.
2: Yeah, you bet. Thanks for coming on. We got to meet you at uh, the Aglo conference in Brainerd this year. Uh, yeah. Bemidji. Bemidji yeah. Or what did I say? Brainerd. You got to stop. Can't give Brainerd that much credit. Yeah, it was a little north, north of Brainerd, I guess. Uh, Bem- we saw you at Bemidji at the Aglo conference this year. Did you Yeah, look like you had a good time out there?
1: Yes, it was great. I'm very glad to be there for the first time. So.
2: Well, and one thing we do with, with Aglow is when members are a part of it and they've got content that they're a part of or creating, we share it through the Outdoor Feed. And just recently at the OutdoorFeed.org, uh, we shared something that you sent a press release that you sent out about uh, your 20th issue of the magazine, Adventurous. And while it's the 20th issue, this is something that's that it's kind of been a project of yours for a long time, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's been very long. Um, so yeah, 20 issues, but I really started, um, this idea way back in college and, um, then had first released it as a digital magazine for 16 issues. And, um, at the beginning of this year had just, um, released it as a high quality print magazine. So there's been a, a lot of steps and phases to get through for sure.
2: Well, tell, Let's start back at the beginning. What made you want to uh, start publishing and designing a magazine?
1: Well, um, actually I, it's kind of funny. I think it was back in my scene, uh, sophomore year of, at a community college. Um, there was, I'm not normally a person to like get out of classes or get out of something Oh early, come on! You know I'm not. But anyways, <laughs> I had just started this new class that was known for having a horrible teacher and <laughs> a lot of expensive books. And I went for the to the first day, and I was like, I can't do this. So I I went to my advisor, and it was like, what other classes will work for me? And it was journalism, and I was like, mm. I can't do that. And uh, <laughs> that was actually how I got started in the very beginning. Um, you know, we, this will date me, but we had the very old, like huge round Mac computers and started designing on that for our school newspaper. And I just kind of fell out, fell in love with, uh, layout design and it, it went from there. So,
2: Well, that's awesome. It's, it's a lot of work making a magazine. And, 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 and it's it's definitely hard doing it in today's world as well. But, um, you know, I published a magazine for a couple of years and just, just not, I mean, not just writing. You think about, oh yeah, I'm going to publish a magazine. I'm just going to write some articles. This is going to be great. No, you have to think about not not just making a magazine, but ad sales, print costs, layout, photography, and, and everything that goes with it, finding writers and finding writers that are halfway decent, you know, especially in the outdoor world, there's a lot of people out there that know how to catch fish, know how to shoot ducks, whatever the case may be. And they write for some pieces. Like I I remember, I'm not going to name any names, of course, but I remember dealing, and I'm going to say I dealt with a couple of people like this, but I'd have some, some well-known people that appear and have appeared in magazines and newspapers for years uh, appeared in print and they'd they'd submit stuff to me and i didn't realize how good of an editor they must have had like like their content was good and they knew what they were talking about they just struggled putting it into the written form and and i'll be completely honest i'm the same way like i'm a better speaker than i'm a writer it's not an easy thing putting things into words is it
1: no, it's definitely not. And that's something that's definitely different about me with this is um, I love to be in the background and to help with that editing process. And, um, you know, there, there is a huge difference between what I receive and what people receive as the readers in the magazine. I bet. So um, I I love to make people shine and fix all that up. And so actually I work with a lot of um, women that have never wrote before. And, and really what's key is their experience and their photos. And I tell them, don't worry about the rest. I got your back.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know what kind of help you have. And this is the last I'll talk about my magazine. We can focus on yours, but I, I was so fortunate because I I had a lot of family work for me, which is great because that meant I didn't have to pay them, which was awesome. (laughs) But I had a, I had a sister, Dan's mom, who was a teacher. It's your sister-in-law. Uh, I'm sorry. I had a sister and a sister-in-law. So my sister-in-law, Dan's mom, was a teacher. Both named Kristen, by the way. Both named Kristen. And then my sister named Kristen. She was, uh, she worked as a medical transcriptionist. So she was, so they both were great copy editors for me. And then my brother Dan's dad was uh, works works in sales, so he was able to handle some of the sales for me. And then Dan did some work for me, and it was kind of a family thing, thankfully. Um, so I was pretty fortunate there that I had some people that that could do some copy editing for me. So um, I I know if you're doing it all yourself, that's a heavy load.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, yeah, I wish I, I'm definitely not a salesperson. I wish that's I the worst part about it. For sure. That is, that is one of the hardest things with me. Um, it, it ends up though. I do absolutely love the people that I get to work with through the ads, those companies and brands. Um, so I love working with them. I'm just personally not a salesperson at all. Nobody um, likes so
2: asking for money
1: yeah i'm especially bad at it so Mm -hmm. that's one that's really been a push for me personally to get better at and um especially too nowadays with social media and everything there's just so many roles that pull you all over the place so um that's definitely one of my struggles too is just um fulfilling all the roles uh, that actually take me away from the magazine most of the time itself like the actual magazine um But yeah, I do it all on my own. And so I just kind of do the best I can. And it's always a learning process for sure.
2: It's different than running a magazine, you know, 20, 30 years ago, there's no doubt. Mm -hmm. So so Dan's pulling up, looks like must be the website there. Tell us about Adventurous, tell us about the magazine. What is it, what is it involved?
1: Yeah, so it is the only women's hunting and fishing magazine. And um, it also includes other outdoor activities um, it's written all by experienced outdoor women. And really, it's a very inspirational um, magazine. Everything is how-to articles um, that anybody can learn from. And really, um, you know, just this vibe of inspiring people and, and uh, to get out and try something new.
2: How, uh, how has it been getting contributors getting writers to be a part of it
1: um so i like my brain really works as a magazine and so normally most of the ideas are actually through me and then i reach out to find the right people to write write them um and again that's why most of the people i work with aren't professional writers um so i'm looking for those experienced people um Mm -hmm. and then kind of go from there so
2: and what's what do you, you celebrate your twentieth uh, issue? what What uh-huh. can people find in it, and where can they find it?
1: Um, so everything is at the website, adventurousmagazine.com. dot com. And then there's also an online store there, which is all outdoor gear that's specifically with women in mind. So not necessarily women ge- women's gear only, but everything is kind of with uh, women in mind the same as the magazine
2: okay dan was looking for some nice women's gear for him. all right so what do you got what do you got coming up for adventurous then
1: yeah so right now the current issue is the fall issue um i'll be hitting um a couple more sh- sports shows this winter and the winter issue will be coming out uh later in december too
2: so that's a quarterly magazine then
1: yes quarterly
2: okay Goes by very, the seasons very good and uh how much is a subscription how do people subscribe
1: yeah at the magazine or at the website adventurousmagazine.com. and then a subscription is 39.99 for the year and so that's your four issues that you receive in the mail.
2: Uh, very cool. Very cool. adventurousmagazine.com, adventurous uh, magazine. Uh, Jennifer Poons, good luck with everything and thanks for the time this week on the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Ice fishing season is here. This winter, plan a trip to Devils Lake, North Dakota. Not only will you have the chance to catch their legendary perch, but this year, Hay Bale Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye. And they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. Learn more and book a trip today at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com. Looking for winter adventure? Might as well pick a place with over 1,000 lakes. Ottertail County, Minnesota is in the middle of everywhere, offers a simpler pace, and has something for everyone. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. Come ice fish the famous waters of Minnesota's
3: Lake of the Woods, the walleye capital of the world. Experience full-service resorts featuring heated fish houses, ice transportation, meal plans, and sleeper house options. From the northwest angle to the south shore, Rainy River and Baudette, the Midwest's number one ice fishing destination. Walleye, Sauger, Perch, and Northern Pike, Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, best fishing anywhere. For more information, log on to lakeofthewoodsmn.com.
2: All right, now it's time to check in with Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods, get a fishing report from that big walleye factory in Northern Minnesota. Joe, how's it going? You know, it's
3: going good. Uh, As far as a fishing report goes, gotta be honest. Uh, I think that we left those walleyes and saugers right where they need to be for early ice. But, you know, there's not a whole heck of a lot of people fishing, Brett, because of, you know, hunting season. I mean, it's just a cultural thing. Everybody likes deer hunting, it seems it fishes. some other people just naturally put their boat away, you know, at late October, just doesn't matter what the weather's like, you put it away, which I understand, you know. And, uh, but there's just not a lot of people fishing for the people that are, they're
2: getting rewarded. Yeah, I mean, it is that time of year, it's always hard to decide what to do. We talk about it all the time, but it's also cold. I mean, yeah. it's been kind of warm down here in the more the Southern part of the state. It, it's been in the sixties this week. So almost felt like summer or, or uh, you know, early fall at least but uh i haven't fished i think well i think i maybe one time um but otherwise i haven't and and some of the fishing's been pretty good i just been too too busy focusing on hunting and obviously with the deer hunting season going on a lot of people take off and that can be some of the best fishing and even waterfowl hunting if you want to get into it but during that deer season it's like you know people talk about wanting minnesota to move the deer gun season which it's like impossible to, to make that happen but people talk about it all the time because timing of the rut and things like that i want to move just because everything else gets really good that time of year absolutely i mean it's yeah you know um it's it's always
3: hard I, i've been spending some time in the woods too and you know, i gotta tell you i mean i ha- haven't even been really successful but just thoroughly enjoying the woods and this we, we say it every year it's the same old story the fall is such a great season there's so much going on and it's so hard to decide and I will say out of fairness, I mean, we only have one opportunity to, to deer hunt. Um, you know, fishing goes all year long. So it makes that decision, I guess, a little bit easier, but I'm kind of excited though, you know, um, the fall fishing had been really good and there's a lot of fish set up out, outside that that whole South shore out in front of, you know, the White House Gap and the Rainy River, uh, out in front of Morris Point Gap. Um, you know, out in front of uh, um, Zippo Bay, Long Point. But there, there's schools of walleyes and, and shiners which hold the walleye and saugers to those areas. And that's kind of what we want. And then what'll happen is, you know, once we start getting into early ice conditions, those fish are still gonna be there, which is gonna lend to some very good early ice
2: fishing. I know some of the bays are starting to freeze up a little bit. Is there, is there enough ice in any of those areas for guys to go out for pike or anything yet? No, nothing yet. No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. It. Uh, we also
3: hit sixty degrees up at Lake of the Woods, too. Believe it or not, for for November, that's uncanny. But, you know, it's going to get cold here. It always does every year. It's just a matter of when. And you know, normally, what ends up happening is we end up having, um, you know, um, uh, spears go out on that that ice back in the late, back bays, and the spears will go out and uh, uh, get out there late uh, late November, and um, And then we get out, you know, the the early ice fishing. And typically that starts, I mean, you'll get some people walking out fishing, um, you know, walleyes and and some of the mouths of the back bays and stuff where some of the resorts have trails marked. But as a rule, day houses get out around December 10th, give or take, of course, based on mother nature. But, and I should say too, you know, it's really important. You know, uh, um, these, these ice guides, once they, once we start getting ice and once they get on the ice, their whole life consists of checking ice conditions, marking trails where the best ice conditions are, um, flooding ice, uh, uh, putting stakes in to mark the safe trails, go making sure they go around springs or where there's cracks. I mean, they, they really do a nice job of setting up uh, uh, the trails on the best ice and very important to follow those trails. Always important, especially early ice. Don't go off, don't, don't be a maverick and say, hey, I'm gonna go off and fish on
2: my own. That could be a very, very difficult decision for you. So Dan just pulled up the forecast there. Looks like uh, we might be making some ice next week. Look like. It's gonna get cold. That's 22nd, 20 yeah,
0: 24 degrees.
3: And it's not yeah, coming it's getting above. Cold out. Yeah. Well, but, but you know, there. look at teens, teens
2: overnight. And yep. the teens overnight, that's uh, exactly what we need, you know? hmm If you wanna make ice. I'm not quite there yet, Joe. I'm not quite there yet. Like, I like these I like these 40 degree days in the fall. I'm okay with just making winter come when winter's supposed to come, not this November freeze up business that we've seen uh, not too long. And we've seen it in recent years when things freeze up fairly early. I mean, how many times have we looked through fa- uh, Snapchat memories of this day? Like last year, was snow on the ground here, wasn't there? Snow on the ground and I was uh, ice fishing uh, like three years ago. A week ago. Oh. You weren't just ice fishing three years I ago. I was ice fishing. I caught walleye. Sure did. <laughs> you were sure on the news, did. I think, three years ago. Ah, we don't need to talk about <laughs> that. Something like that. Ice but fishing. Yeah. No. Safely. Uh, well, that's the thing. Like, and, I, and I'm one of those guys too, Joe. I'm not an early ice guy. Uh, call me a lazy ice fisherman. I like to wait until... Uh, generally, I like to wait until I can drive a truck. But I will go out when you can take a snowmobile or or an ATV or something like that to go out there and fish. But uh, those guys that go out there real early, that's just not it's just not for me, Joe. No, I'm not going to take a chance either. It's not worth it.
3: It's just it's just too stressful. You know, I want to have fun. Want to go fish and I want to be safe. I don't want any accidents. And uh, again, you know, you, p- people might say, "Well, Joe's a tourism director. He needs to talk about going out on the ice trails and things like that." That is not it at all. You know, the 15 or 20 bucks of those resorts charge, the, the little bit. It's not about that. It's about how hard they work and how they're constantly checking those ice conditions, rerouting trails on spur of the moment if they need to, but just keeping people safe. That's my whole prerogative. And you know what, there's plenty of fish to be caught out there. Once you get out there, you know, get in an area where there's saugers and walleyes, doing the one-two punch of of the jigging line and dead stick, you know, paying attention to your electronics. Are the fish reacting positively? Are they not? Changing things up, not being lazy, you know, changing to a big lure to a small lure, rattles to no rattle changing your baits um change around your dead stick lines i mean all those things make a huge difference at the end of the day and uh, those are
2: the people that are going to be rewarded for sure well for the people that are waiting further to be good ice or waiting to uh to be taken out in one of the day houses or even an over uh, sleeper up at lake of the woods what should somebody be doing right now to plan a trip and how how can they well, you know what's the best way for them to plan an ice fishing trip up there
3: well, if it was me, I would be first deciding, you know, what, what are the best times for me to go? I mean, can I go in, in December, January, February, or March? What what months month or months are best for me? When can my group go? And then what I would say is, all right, when we go out, do we want to uh, drive our own vehicle out to a fish house? Would we prefer that ice transportation like a bombardier or something would take us out to the fish house? Do we want to fish along the south shore or do we want to make it uh, a little bit... Uh, um, uh, a different kind of adventure and go up to the Northwest angle. Hey, if we decide to go to the Northwest angle to one of those resorts that ice fish, do we want to drive through Canada? Does everybody have a passport and credentials? Or do we want to, you know, take the the Lake of the Woods uh, uh, transport service and take a bombardier up to the Northwest angle so we can avoid customs? I mean, those are just all decisions to start thinking about. And then, um, and then you know, what kind of resort do we want to stay at? Do we want to stay at a full service resort that offers the American plan, which is you know lodging, fishing, and all your meals included, or do we want to kind of do more of a do it yourself thing? Where hey, we're going to go stay at a resort, we're going to cook our own meals. Maybe we'll go to eat at this resort one night. Maybe we'll go to that resort another night. But we're going to kind of do it on our own and just you know rent a fish house from them and it uh, and, and rent uh, you know the cabin. So boy, a lot of a lot of ways, a lot of the choices,
2: a lot of ways to get it done for sure. I want to do a, a ice fishing trip to the Angle this year, I think. I think uh, that would be fun. Well, we've, we've
3: done that before. And I'll tell you, the Angle is such a neat spot. spot. I mean, not only is uh, the fishing really good up there, you know, there's a high percentage of walleyes up there because of the structure. Of course, you get your eel pellet, and your jumbo perch and stuff and your pike. And But I mean, uh, it's kind of cool, too, because just the whole ambiance and allure of the northwest angle, a little, little uh, further up um, your fishing structure got the north uh, the northernmost point buoy um and it's just kind of a you know the bars and restaurants up there are just kind of cool too you know a lot of times you're out on an island or you're up an angle inlet uh, it's just a neat atmosphere i don't know how to explain it unless you've been up there
2: yeah well we were just up there this fall of course and we have one video for sure on our youtube channel the fish hunt forever youtube channel you can see us layout boat duck hunting man it was a lot of fun and do we will we when do we think we're gonna have the second one up or is it up do you think
0: well that's a good uh, we're trying to predict the future here <laughs> break down the fourth wall um just how about this go to that channel go to the fish hunt forever channel on the hour until you see a second <laughs> one and uh in the meantime watch all our other videos there i, and, have, well. nof- I have nothing else to do i know yeah. it's all about you so we're just absolutely <laughs> just,
3: just check keep checking it. Do it. It. just don't, the- don't bother r- notify me when
0: you put out right i'll just go well we'll here. put we'll tell you too but if you're what, listening to this show or watching this show i i can't predict the future i don't have it. I, I forgot my yeah. crystal ball at home today so just keep hitting the refresh button <laughs> or if you're a subscriber you you should get a notification And if you're not go subscribe and turn notifications on there you go joe turn notifications on, on the youtube you'll get notified right. when it goes i will up. say
3: this: just that know, easy that, yeah. even even though we're, we're approaching ice fishing and duck hunting's kind of over you know what uh, that duck hunting show you guys did it is just so cool to see the visual effects of in a layout boat right against the water You see those decoys out there and you're kind of bobbing up and down so you got to kind of adjust your shot it is so cool to see those ducks come in and you know the other thing i like brett is when you use on your shotgun you have that camera that shows that red dot so it shows me where you're
2: aiming on those ducks which yeah. is kind of neat to see yeah, and it just shows how bad of a shot I am. <laughs> thank, well, it was I got, wobbly out there. I will say, I mean, oh give man! But you know, hey. when bright. it was cold, and I had a lot. Of, I had a couple different layers on, and uh, you know, it was. I think the feels like was ten degrees. I think the air temp was around fifteen, probably around there both mornings, somewhere between you know ten and twenty degrees. Uh, so it it was cold, and the fog was rolling, and the birds would just appear out of the fog like you know, I don't want to say something out of a horror movie, but it was, but that's what it was like. It was like all of a sudden they, they'd be there. And a lot of times they're heads, which the hen head is the second smallest duck in North America. Hmm. And imagine trying to shoot a target that small, moving that fast. And you're doing this in waves. Yeah. There's, there's one right there. If you're watching this on YouTube, um, and, and I'll be honest, actually, and it was me, Dan, and Corey Loeffler from the DRC Call Company. Actually, it was pretty, pretty good this year, actually, better than our trip last year up there. So, look at all that fog. And then Andy Reeves and Forrest Hughes sit out there in the tender boat um, picking up the ducks for us. And then, actually, Forrest's father-in-law uh, joined us for one of the days to hunt, too. So, I think that was him in the boat there. But And we shot a special duck while we were up there, one prized, targeted duck that we were hoping to shoot. And you can see that in the second layout boat duck video that may or may not be on YouTube right now. It probably is, but
0: <laughs> I don't wanna make any promises because you make promises and then you break them and people get upset. That's so, right.
3: Danny, you get everybody all jacked up. I know. I wanna know, do they call you Crystal Ball Boy nowadays? Or I forgot mine at
0: home. It's it's at home, I forgot it.
3: But I get the Which question, is... Danny gets kind of frustrated when people don't just subscribe. They, yes, they really well, we want what we too. ask you to nicely?
0: we ask you too nicely and people don't and so now I gotta we gotta break out the punishments for it so,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> well and you know not to get into it but and some of the sometimes the comments people make on social media and on YouTube and things like that like we we were just bombarded by by buffalo heads and you know other divers up at lake of the woods like clearly there's a big push of birds and in dan dan's uh title for the video was the migration is on and someone's like oh because you shot buffleheads heads you think the migration is on it's like yeah i think buffleheads migrate did last you, time i checked did you watch the video there's like thousands of them that means they migrated there bud like yeah, anyway you're giving that person too much attention to i sure am man. all right
3: I'll tell you, at least I didn't say his or her name, but you know, um, I, I will say that uh, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of a lot of out there. <laughs> a lot of experts out <laughs> there. Keyboard a warriors, lot of, and, and you know, the funny thing about it is, I think some of them uh, aren't even creating aliases on Facebook and, and Instagram. They're actually using their real identity, which kind of surprises me. But yeah. whatever, you know.
2: It, yeah. Oh, God. I could. We'll have to save this for another podcast because I, I could tell to, tell so many stories about that particular thing right there. But we won't go into that now, Joe. We're out of time. If people want to plan a trip to Lake of the Woods, do some ice fishing this winter, what should they do?
3: Hey, now's a great time to make your, your plans for sure. Check out our website, and that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com.
2: Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba, LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to SportingJournalRadio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to SportingJournalRadio.com.